1: Score North on AM 1500 KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis, 94.5 KSTP-FM St. Paul HD2, and on scorenorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing
0: TV brand. It's Purple Daily. And welcome. It is Purple Daily. Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill, producing on the all-new Score North. We come to you, as we always do, from the uh, TCL Broadcast Studios. Hello, Matthew. How are you today? I am doing great, Judd. How are you? I am, I am good. I could use, if we could keep this to one snowstorm per week, I'd be happier. I, I'll take one snowstorm per week. I've lived here my whole life, basically. I've invited this, so I get one snowstorm per week. But uh, beyond that, I'd like to cap it
1: in let's say like early June when it's all over and you're walking the dog in shorts, you're looking around and you walk to the park and there's the glistening waters and the beautiful sunrise. And you're like, yeah, I could deal with winter if I, if I get this for most of the time and this nice summer here and all that. But this moment,
0: not great, not great at all. No. And you know what, what's sad on Tuesday, because I told the wife this. Tuesday, the, the, the snow, because it, it was not a ton, right? I thought it was nice. It was pretty. The ground that morning was pretty ugly. So I said to myself, four inches of snow, absolutely fine. The driving's a little bit of a pain in the rear end, but that, that's fine. But then when you got to wake up again today. So once a week, once a week, let's say three times a month. We get a dusting, a nice dusting, no more than, let's say, eight inches in a snowstorm because if it's more than eight, it becomes a pain in the butt as far as driving goes. But anyway, all right, let's start with this one. One more thing. Yeah, of
1: course. Look, if there's a sidewalk, I understand why you would want to just shovel it off. It's the rules that you have to shovel off your sidewalk in front of your house, right? Correct. And I don't have a sidewalk in front of my house, but I like to jog even in the winter. I just don't like treadmills. I jog outside in the winter. Okay. And uh, I'm totally fine with jogging over some snow that is on a sidewalk. Yeah. I am not totally fine with trying to jog on an ice rink. So if there is snow on a sidewalk, but there's four inches of ice underneath it, do not shovel it. Well, they have to. But do not... Okay, then don't shovel at all. Okay, why don't Leave you... Leave me okay, some wait, snow. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Because wait, you're, you're wait, risking everybody's life at that point.
0: Wait, You'd rather walk over snow. Wait, hold on a second. Why don't... Okay. Or salt the thing. I, under, I understand... I'll preface this by saying I understand your preference for running outside when possible. But this time of year... Why not a treadmill? I, I think you're asking for trouble. I think I, people I like treadmills. you are asking for trouble. This is beyond the point. It's not about me, Judd. It's about anyone who walks I know, over but I'm this. telling you, go
1: inside at this point. No, I can I Suck can't, it up I don't and like go going to the treadmill. Why
2: do you hate treadmills, Collar?
1: Boring. Just super boring. <laughs> I don't like to run. I don't think anyone really likes to run
0: fair enough that's fine and so if i disagree but i think that you're you're on the right track
1: yeah i'm okay like there are some some people who are really
0: serious about running i'm not really serious about running
1: i do it so i don't like get really fat so you don't have to like i'm on
2: that reminds me of the old charles barkley commercial where he's just like i don't run because i get tired and i don't lift weights because they're heavy yeah
1: that's so. So that's uh, that's basically it. Is I do what I think is the minimum to not gain a bunch of weight because I eat fast food. Too I appreciate much. that completely. Okay. Totally get that. I know that if I get on a treadmill, yep. I will get so bored in about five minutes that I'll just stop and go back to doing whatever I was doing before. But if I'm jogging outside and I run away from my house one mile, I have to run back. There's no other choice. You are a mile away from the house. It's freezing. Get moving. So it forces me to get the blood going, to I got go you. out
0: there and actually do the thing I'm supposed to do. Okay, treadmill. Can't you watch TV, put on... Too
1: boring. ...music? Yeah, too boring. Which you love. Just, I like wait, music, and I listen a- to podcasts when I run outside, yeah. But I just get too bored. I'm not going anywhere. There's nothing
0: to see. I feel like in this state, you're asking for huge trouble because the edict is that you snow blow or shovel in front of your house. So you're asking people not to do what they're told to do. So they're they're going to do it. So you are inevitably going to fall and sustain an injury of some sort which might need surgery. What I'm saying is that
1: this is a different circumstance where there's ice underneath it. It's not
0: a good idea. But what are you asking people to do? Like only take so much snow? Like only shovel a little bit? The collar rules? Okay. Either leave some that allows for (laughs)
1: grip, so take off just the top layer, or (laughs) or, how about some salt? Does anybody have any salt here?
0: Okay, I did go out. And as you know, salt the sidewalk. And as you know, I am Mister Do Nothing. Right? Like, I'll shovel, <laughs> but for the most part, I don't fix anything. The wife fixes things. I did go out a couple days ago and got the fifty-pound bag, and yeah. and it works. Oh, it works. Now it's yeah. disgusting because it turns the the sidewalk sort of a pinkish color that I don't recognize. I've got the blue salt, but yes, but it does work. So, yes, you're right. But I I feel like you're asking for trouble. I feel like you're going to call us in a month and be like, I can't come in for the show. Why, Matthew? Because I'm about to undergo surgery. I tore my ACL. I even have the things that you can strap on your shoes that stick
1: into the ice. But if it's like ice rink style where there's four inches of ice, those aren't even really that effective. You're just sliding all over the you place. You got the cleats type of deal? Is yeah, it's like, a, it's like a cleat type of thing. It's got, got like thing. these spikes. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's so it's you're largely like old for old people who don't want to fall down. So you strap them on the shoes and you could stick into the ice. But it works pretty well for the outdoor jogging. Now, last night, <laughs> Judd. My outdoor jogging usually happens Just in the evening. Join a gym. Yeah, keep going. I'm listening. Oh, that's another thing too. Just join a you know how I am with gym. stuff like this. With with gyms, I don't like to be around that many people. See, it's it's very nice for me. All the benefits of running outside, I like all of them. I like to be able to look at stuff. I like the fresh air. Even if it's cold, I don't mind the
0: cold air. Because once you get going, you're fine. And pre-ice, I'm with you completely. I think I don't do it. I prefer to go to a gym, but I totally get you. But how about this last night? This this shook me a little
1: bit. So I'm walking the dog, which I have to do every night uh, per her request. Big and dog. Big dog. Yep. Walking the dog at about 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I go around a corner. She's doing her business. I turn around, and I see two big-ass coyotes walking down the street. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. And so they looked at me. And the dog looked at them like, oh look, friends. Because she's an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like, those aren't friends. And then we stared at each other for a little while. I was like, Are you gonna do something? And they were like, Are you gonna do something? And then we both agreed to go our separate ways and they went jogging down the street. But I was like, oh, so they didn't come at you at all. They didn't. No. Oh, okay, I that's... was trying to think like, what do you do? And so I did all this research after. And I guess either standing there or trying to make yourself look bigger is the way to go. Do not
0: run away from them. No, I've seen I've seen try and scare them yourself. Yes. Yes. Try to get bigger. But that's sc- that scares me right there. It scared that As a guy with a small dog, that scares me. Oh, yeah. No, you've got them r- you around keep the my dog house close. a little bit. Yeah. That one scares me. But they, yeah, you're supposed to try and scare them yourself. They probably wouldn't my dog is 70 pounds,
1: so they probably wouldn't go after her, but they were about her size and they're just as fast. So it's like, oh man, this is not my favorite thing. And and I go jogging all around the neighborhood. Like I
0: don't want to run now, into these is, is this dark at this point? Oh yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, it was dark. Now, right. luckily, my neighborhood is really well lit up. So we could really see each other. Mm -hmm. But as you know, you see a dog looking thing walking down the street. And I'm like, what is that? Like a dog off its leash or something. And then it looks over and like, nope, that's. And then another one comes by. And uh, that was that was not a fun time last
0: night. But your dog didn't do a thing.
1: She just looked.
0: that's good, too. Yeah, she she just didn't do anything.
1: She is not an attack dog, really. She scares people because she's big, but she's super friendly. But if they came at her, she would try to play with them.
0: Because she's so really, my dog. really dumb. And my dog would would be eaten in like one gulp. Yes, yes. Stella, Stella's got no chance in that fight. But, but I, I mean, even if I wanted to run, it's icy and the people... Well, oh, you got your cleats on,
1: old man. I did not have my cleats on last night. But if people had left some snow there, I could have run. Why weren't you wearing your cleats
0: last
2: night? It was just
1: a walk. It wasn't a job. Oh, okay, you maybe, maybe
2: the coyotes would slip and fall as they're running
1: after you. They looked like they were pretty adept at everything. <laughs> they, were, they were, I mean, once they took off. They went pretty fast, and they're like, okay. They got good so traction? So my, my outdoor jogging, um, I don't know. I, I'm not going to stop, but now I'm going to be, like, unnerved
0: when I go jogging because of these coyotes. Why don't you join a gym, just like a cheap gym, and go early?
1: Is the, isn't that what everybody does? Don't people go early because they I, try to avoid people, I but went, they run
0: into people because everyone has that idea? I went to my gym a couple days ago early, pretty much empty. Now, at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, it's packed. Like PM, you mean? Yes, PM, PM. But I went about 8 a.m., empty. Oh, absolutely okay. perfect. Well, no people. Well, you would people have loved w- it. We're working real jobs. Yeah, well, exactly. That's fine. All right. Where do you want to start? That's it. That's it for the show today. <laughs> Is that it? Some little, little coyote <laughs> Purple, talk. Purple Daily I, TCL broadcast went, Studio. See you tomorrow. Bye. I went home and
1: watched some guy's seminar on how to deal with coyotes. Like I don't want any part of
0: that. You guys today are incredible. You you have a problem and like, solve it. I go home and I'm like, that was scary. Now I'm going to watch TV. You watch a <laughs> seminar. That's the di- that's the difference between your generation and mine. That's right. I go home and I'm like, it up. hey sweetheart, that was scary. Now let's watch a little bit of TV and you actually go watch now, a this documentary on this, coyotes. This can be problematic at times. Like
1: do you, like if you use WebMD or something. WebMD thinks you have cancer no matter what. It's like, <laughs> before, uh, I've got a slightly sore throat, like I'll throat cancer.
0: Before, That's what WebMD says. You know what? Before that, long before that, my parents, when I was a kid, got a book. Same type of deal, though. Mm. Look it up, right? After I looked up, like, the first three things, never again. Because you're convinced that you're dead.
1: Yeah, and if you And Google... it's like,
0: I'm only 11 years old. Why am I dying <laughs> of this?
1: I mean, the other thing is, like, it. If you Google certain things, we our house is in the path of uh, planes, like everyone else's around here, yeah, by the way. of course. And so when we were buying the house, we're like three quarters of the way through buying the house. And my wife Googles, like, is it okay to live this close to the airport? Yeah. And of course, you're going to like become illiterate and get cancer and just pretty much die immediately. Plane Accor- fuel's going to be dumped uh, right, on yeah, your house. It's exactly, going to blow up. Yeah, exactly. I, I've seen all that. Of- according to Google... Everyone in the Twin Cities area should be dead. And like, well, doesn't seem like
0: that's the case. So let's just buy the house anyway instead of backing off. Now, did, did Mac actually at, at some point in time fix your house up because because the airport commission at some point went to houses close around the airport and like put more, I think, siding on them and mm-hmm. soundproof. Actually, a very good deal.
1: Yes. It's actually great because even though there are planes constantly going over us, them? we don't really hear them. See, that is I mean, good. there's only certain, and I couldn't even begin to guess which flights it is, but certain flights, certain days, we will hear ones that are a little bit closer. But for the most part, I mean, it's silent in there because they put extra stuff mm-hmm. to make sure that it's soundproofed. And it's it's fantastic. And we haven't gotten cancer and died
0: yet. That's a very good thing.
1: Yeah, it's positive. So not everything that you Google is right, but this guy who did the coyote presentation did a great job.
0: I love the fact that you went home and watched a coyote presentation. I
1: don't want to mess with coyotes. No, I agree they're with big. No, no, I no. didn't know
0: they were that big. They're they're big and they're scary. I'm, I'm saying I think it's a funny example of the generational difference between you and me that if I see one, I sort of get scared and go home and just try and forget about it, and you go home <laughs> and try and solve the problem. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's, the, right. O- that's yeah. the difference. That's exactly right. And you know what? It even relates to... I'm not making fun of it.
1: I'm just yeah, saying you're it's totally the difference right.
0: between the two of us.
1: You're absolutely right. And I'm not saying that you do sports this way, but I think that people of certain generations think about sports this way, where it if it's uh, someone who's 30-something or 25 and you're arguing with them about some topic, we're like, okay, well, let's let's go to their baseball reference, and let's find out the wins above replacement for Mariano Rivera versus Brett Saberhagen. Yep. Let's just go see this. And I think another era might be like, yeah, but Rivera was untouchable. You are know, like, yeah, I get that. But it says right here, like, here's all the facts, here's all the numbers, and it's really changed the way that we debate about sports things. Because I think that we've moved really far away from talking about the personality parts is this guy got the clutch gene is he tough enough those sorts of things they come up and when it's obvious that someone's not giving 110 <clears throat> i don't know if any local basketball players like that but when when it's obvious but yeah. otherwise it's usually looking for more uh more distinct explanations even with this super bowl i saw an article from the athletic breaking down the film and then some former nfl players started tweeting it and like saying oh i think i i think it's this that they're doing i think it's that that they're doing that's stuff that you wouldn't have been able to find before you might have just said you know what i think that uh, goff he's not clutch or he right. just he just doesn't have it right. so i think that it's it, it always
0: become interesting that's gone too far in in some ways like I think that's why why the perfect um, front office staff at this point is probably a mixture of people mm-hmm. because I think it's gone too far. We we have there's a certain group that tries to dismiss personalities and locker room culture and people altogether, but then there is the other group who thinks that that's the key to life, and that's not true. So I think if you could find the the sort of the in between mix there, that's the most important thing because then if you Meld them together, you start to get the answer because both are important. But yes, there used to be, there definitely is an age group that says, I saw Y.E. Tettle play, and let me tell you, Sonny boy, <laughs> Y.E. Tettle's better than any quarterback today. And you're like, okay, let's just back up just a little bit on that one and have a conversation.
1: And a lot of times, some of those things that you see and that are harder to pin down with factual information can be validated, though, by the numbers. I mean, if you're looking at somebody like Andrew Wiggins, we have such detail now that you could put your finger on how often he hustles and where he ranks in hustle stats and things like that. So you could say, and it's like the coyote thing, where my instinct with the coyotes was just like, you don't mess with me, I don't mess with you. Or I thought maybe if they started to walk toward me, I would just put my hands up. Like, don't run away from a coyote that can run forty miles an hour. Yeah, that is stupid. You. But I wanted to go check. And that's the same way with this where it's like maybe I think that Kirk Cousins isn't all that good on third down and long cuz it looks that way it looks like he's having trouble processing and he's patting the ball too long and taking a sack. Right. But now I can go check and I can see did he make big throws on third and long? Did he how many yards per attempt? How can we compare his numbers so I can see if some of those theories that that I see on Sunday Actually, apply.
0: Do you know the one thing though that drives me nuts now, and and I don't think we do it as much as we used to, but it's still a default. Is trying to compare players at positions from eras that aren't close. Yeah, that drives me the craziest now. I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's fair. I don't. I think it's. But you get you get these people that say, you know, I saw Bradshaw play, and it's like, okay, one, his stats don't look great now, but two, go back and watch those games, and it's a different game. Mm-hmm. But also, you just can't compare them. Like you can't, you can't take um, Bradshaw and then let's say Montana and then let's say Young and now and now a quarterback Goff and say, well, look at this. They're no, it's completely different. The game has changed. The rules have changed. Everything has changed. The other thing that's problematic is that
1: there are so many stats available that if you really are intent on making an argument. If you look at all of them and then pick out, okay, what means something, what doesn't mean something, let me compare this to what I've heard from the team, let me compare this to other quarterbacks, and, and let's let's get a full picture of something, that's the way to do it. But if you're arguing with someone and you just want to make the case about a guy in one way or another, you can try to finagle that some way or another because there are so many available stats to you. And Cousins is a good example of this, of People who will say, oh, he threw for 4,000 yards. It must have been a great season. And, I mean, we all watched it. It wasn't a great season. But if you are intent on believing in this quarterback, which is fine, but... You just have these available stats to you. Look at his quarterback rating. Look at his his QBR, which ESPN just kind of invented out of thin air. And I haven't been able to figure out how to use it in any way, shape, or form. But still, like, it's a stat that maybe says he wasn't that bad. Right. Like, okay, well, does that really mean as much well, toward and, winning as these other things?
0: St- probably not. And statistically, guess what? He probably wasn't. Statistically. That's why it's important to watch games. That's why it's important to... to if you watch a quarterback every fifth game, guess what? Un- unless it's a Hall of Fame, surefire, great top five QB, you're not going to get an accurate read on that player. Yeah, It's true of every player. Yeah. So if you watch all their games, that's why I, I said it helps to get a mixture of people who see things in different lights. Because if you go with the analytical statistical group alone, they're going to come out with a very different result and, and- or feeling about a guy then a guy will, who actually watches every game and says, okay, this guy does this well, he does this well, but then here's three things that he either needs to improve on or he never will.
1: Yeah. And I find myself even as someone who loves analytics and statistics and diving as deep as possible, sort of going against sometimes numbers because a, you have to contextualize them. There's, there's not just the numbers are truth. It's Pat Elfline's the good example. Didn't have a great season. Low pro football focus, great. But there's a lot of things we need to say about that to have to go along with it. And the other thing, too, is if you don't believe that toughness is important, you're crazy.
0: If you don't think leadership is important, right. you're crazy. Right. Like Those things Those things matter. But, but part of the problem with that and, and the direction you're going that's intriguing here is this. And, and we're fortunate to get to do this. But if you don't go into clubhouses, locker rooms, places like that, you cannot have an appreciation for that. When, when you that, yeah. when you watch people interact and, and see the importance of what people can bring, both positive and bad. This is a great point, because I was reading Bruce Arians' book, which is just, it's
1: really good. And I, in a way, I feel bad for Bruce Arians because he took a job with a quarterback that I think he could probably help, but is not someone who can be fully helped in Jameis Winston. Uh, But reading his book, one of the things he talks about is that quarterbacks who are great leaders make everybody believe they can do things that they're not actually capable of. And I thought it was the perfect way of put it. Like maybe maybe someone doesn't believe they are capable of something, but a great leader is able to get more out of them than they ever believed possible. Yes, and that's something where when you talk about why Mike Zimmer liked Teddy Bridgewater so much, he had that impact on people, and I've I've heard it right from the horse's mouth for about a dozen players. Adam Thielen said this last year: Teddy Bridgewater made me a better wide receiver. Yes, and and, and that to me is is what great leaders can do. So you can't just look at this stat or that stat, although I will say that Bridgewater's underlying numbers are really terrific from 2015. But his intangibles but, were
0: huge. But the intangibles, yes. I mean,
1: all of these things. So it's not just how many passes did you complete? How many yards did you gain yep. when it comes to the stat? Or even in certain situations, in other situations, it's how did you make your lineman better? Because Kirk Cousins this year made his lineman worse. Mm-hmm. And Case Keenum in 2017, made them better, and I think that those are things that you can that you can see and you have a sense for. Uh, but it's trying to put together, okay, well, how much did it matter that he wasn't a great leader, or how much did it matter that he didn't have that pocket presence, and trying to project it forward. And it's, I mean, I think that all this stuff has made all these conversations more
2: fun. And the other part of that too is. Going back to fantasy football, I mean to the four thousand yards thing. People, if somebody had Kirk Cousins on their fantasy team in twenty eighteen, oh, they were happy. They were happy with him because he threw for he threw thirty touchdowns and he threw for four thousand yards and he probably scored a lot of points and their you know for their team. And the rules are written
0: to make that happen. Yeah, they didn't used to be. I'll give you three Vikings QBs who all enter this conversation in intriguing ways. The first one is Favre. Favre came here and empowered key people. And Favre Favre played the game and acted consistently like he was 12, okay? But it worked. Teammates loved him, gravitated Mm -hmm. towards him. Yep. And and Favre, in uh, 2009, took Sidney Rice, who was an ascending nice player. I don't think he was ever great, but he was a very nice player, and made him a Pro Bowl player because he said, you're my guy. And and until that fateful pass that he attempted to force across uh, the middle against the Saints— It worked perfectly. Case Keenum, laid-back guy, right? But guys gravitated towards him. They liked sort of the laid-back, but I've got control of this. Zimmer can say whatever he wants about me, it's fine. It worked. Cousins, when you watch him interact with teammates and at the podium, you have a feeling that he has an idea of what a quarterback, a corporate quarterback should be, but you don't sense that anybody, including his teammates, are buying it. And, and that's not a criticism. That's the reality of what I saw in 2018. But three very different people, and I'm not. I'm not even talking about their on-field abilities. I'm talking about what they bring from an intangible standpoint to the team as the most important position player on that team. Matthew.
1: Yeah, and uh, there are a lot of ways that quarterbacks who are the best at this relate to other people on a on an individual personal level, and I I like to go back to Bridgewater with this because I've never seen anything like it. And when you see Zimmer get emotional talking about Bridgewater, when he says, I love him. And he says that I never want another quarterback. I mean, I think if you just looked at the numbers, you would say like, "I, I don't get it. I don't see it. And then when you hear the players tell their stories about, Him and you see how he interacts in the locker room. You see, on a Friday when they're all in there just eating, he invites the guy who's on the practice squad to come sit with him and Delvin Cook and Terrence Newman. That like he brings every individual in and makes them feel like they're an important part of the team. That's something he's able to do. They talked about in New Orleans. Tell me if you're surprised. There's a big story out of New Orleans, how Bridgewater impacted the team as a backup quarterback. We saw that in 2017 and with cousins, I think he struggles to relate to people and something that really stuck out to me. And then a tweet of his from yesterday, I think about these two things with him and I saw numerous instances, but he mentioned in a press conference about teaching wide receivers. And I thought, you're not the coach, man. Right. Like, if you want to be on their level where you can relate to these other players, you can't act like you're up here and they're down there. I'm coaching you. No, wait, wait, wait. No, you're a player. Like Teddy Bridgewater beating other players at Madden. He was the best Madden player, so he would school everybody in Madden. Like, that's not a Kirk Cousins thing. He's not relating to these guys on a personal level. He tweeted yesterday. My high school national signing day was held in our school's choir room. My choir teacher didn't know what was going on the next day. He made me promise two things. No tattoos and Super Bowl tickets if I ever play in the game. Doing my best to keep both. Now, look, that's fine. That's a cute little story and good for you. But the no tattoos thing. Like, if you're going to be a guy who's trying to lead a bunch of people and you're like, yeah, no tattoos. Trying my best to keep them off my body, and you have all these other guys who love tattoos. Kyle Rudolph has a big arm sleeve of tattoos. Latavius yeah. Murray, like it's very common. Yeah. I mean, th- these guys love tattoos, yeah. and it's just like one of those things where if you're his teammate and you see this, you're like, "All right, bro. Like, okay, no tattoos, Kirk. You know this this whole like button up sort of thing, corporate quarterback sort of thing. I don't. I think can teach re- you re- to be like me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I yeah. can teach you how to run your route like." I don't think that that really flies with anybody, and I saw the impact of it as we went along in the season.
0: All right, let's take a break. Come back after this. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios, Purple Daily, Zolgat and Collar. Takes North Cool. Score North. All right, Purple Daily on the all-new Score North, scorenorth.com. Of course, we're on the old AM 1500. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios, Zolgat and Matthew Collar. Talking about Kirk Cousins, sir, you... Uh, <laughs> You came across some play-by-play of Kirk in recent days, huh?
1: Okay, look. I told you before the show, this is not a real hard and fast take. This is not a serious, I am going full, yell-on-TV type of take. You're not going... Put my head in one box and your head in the other box, and Stephen A. Collar and Max Zolgad are going to yell at each other, okay? This is not what You get happening. Kirk's name wrong, then. But I do think that Kirk Cousins tweeting a bunch of videos and pictures from his vacation could rub some people the wrong way. It's not something you see anybody else doing. Like, look, I'm in the Bahamas or whatever, drinking from a coconut. Look at the beautiful glistening water as I go to grill. And then he tries to make a little joke. I got the
0: right meat on the grill this time. I saw that one a couple days ago. Look, man,
1: if you went to the NFC Championship game, Maybe people would be like, "All right, this is fine. Yeah, it's snowing here. It's going to be zero tomorrow. I don't see any other Vikings doing this because I think all the other Vikings realize they win eight seven and one. I'm not sure that the quarterback realizes they win eight seven and one. I've never felt quarterback threw for four thousand
2: yards, dude. He's just fine. Thirty touchdown passes. Probably.
1: I have. I just have never felt from Cousins, including him skipping the final uh, locker room. By the way. But I never felt in his final press conference or anywhere along the way that he really grasped what the fans were thinking about this team, and just how much of a disappointment this season was to everyone, and this kind of shows that. Of like, okay, so you assume that Vikings fans follow you, right? If you're the quarterback of their team, right? So what is the thing that you want to show them? Do you really want to show them that you're vacationing on the beach? I can guarantee you, 80% of the league is vacationing on the beach, and I'm not they seeing. They sure as hell aren't here right now, and I'm not. I'm not seeing that. I don't know, you know,
0: to answer your question, I don't sense from Kirk's personality that he really does have a feeling for what you're talking about. I think he looks at his personal statistics. I think he looks at it as I'm making a lot. I play football. We won eight games. I don't know that it really bugs him. I think he would tell you, but that's the thing is, you could probably in the right circumstance, get him to tell you whatever you wanted him to say. Because I think that's how he's wired. But if you were to film full of truth serum, I don't think it bugs him that much. No. Hey, all I got to say to you guys is tough times don't last. Tough people do. Right. (laughs) But I mean, that's that's rehearsed. That's all. and, And that was the second. That's my point about him. I think we have to realize that we are we're dealing with a person here who's going to tell you what he's been told to tell you. And so you're, we're not dealing with the guy. There are some guys, and, and there's a lot of QBs who are probably like this, who are just wired competitors, and they want to kick your butt. And then there's human beings who are given skills from God, from above, who can maintain a lifestyle and a level of play that's successful enough to them, but they're not wired like that. I don't think he's wired like that. I mean that, and I don't know what to tell. And I don't know what to tell you. I don't know that I can help it. I don't know if Gary Kubiak can get to him and maybe maybe help him evolve here. Perhaps he can't. There is just a. I mean, you can't. This go. This goes back to the conversation about people. Like you can't necessarily. You can have a great arm, and you can have abilities, and you can throw for four thousand yards. But this goes back to the intangibles. You cover this guy. For an entire year. So tell me this, collar. Stripping away any any um biases that you might have about what you saw. For the hundred of to- hundreds of times, probably that you were in the locker room in Egan. What did you see? Give me an example of what you saw from Kirk, where you said, Oh, okay, that's that's what you want to see. I mean, Bridgewater, you clearly did. Well, he called so- it Vlad Ducas's team. And he wasn't kidding. <laughs> but
1: I mean, there, it's, what's funny about that is that I covered Bridgewater for the whole time that he wasn't playing, and yet I could still see the tangible impact that he had on people. And I wrote about it. And it, it, this, this is where it's always funny when people respond to my stuff and they say, like, oh, you just love Kirk and hate Teddy. No, I'm telling you what I see. I'm telling you what the numbers say and what the people say. And I wrote it all down in a big, giant-ass article about Teddy Bridgewater. I just went to players, and I asked them, without any pushing or whatever else, just, hey, how did Teddy Bridgewater impact you? And some guys got emotional. And I, I if you say the same thing about Kirk Cousins, I don't think you get much. I think you get he's a good person, which is totally believable. He certainly comes across that way. Uh, I, you get that. You know, he's very detailed, and he's very prepared, and he's very smart, and all those things are true. And there's a reason why he's a successful NFL quarterback. Like, Do you know how hard it is to be an NFL quarterback just in general? Absolutely. The guy has a lot going for him. But when it comes to that next level of impacting people and making them better, I cannot give you an example. And when you ask people, tell me the best thing about Kirk that isn't his arm or isn't his accuracy or his footwork or anything. Off the field. It's always give me some. It's always he works really hard. And I, and, and I totally believe that. He's the last one here every night. He wants everybody to stay with him to watch extra film. And those guys do that. And all of that is, is true. As far as his work ethic. And that's probably when the Vikings did all their research on him. It kept coming back to he wants to be here. He wants to do the work. He does all the research. He does all the stuff for his body. He's in great shape. He's never been out for any games. People people think that I just think he's a bum or something. It's like it's not that. It's the difference between... Somebody taking you to a good level of football where you are a competitive team and then to that next level where you can actually win something. Right. And that's where I wonder if that really exists. I wonder if that leadership quality of his and also the ability on the field to do things like process, make quick adjustments, make big time throws, those are questionable too. But as far as getting someone over the hump to the next level, right. do, you, do you think it's just Tom Brady's Quick passing ability that gets him there what, right. year after year after year. You think that's the only thing?
2: Right. I'd kind of look at it reminds me of, and this is kind of random, but it reminds me of when when the Detroit Pistons traded for Rasheed Wallace in the O three, O four season, KG's MVP season. Detroit was already good. And they had already been to the Eastern Conference Finals the year before. But Rasheed Wallace came into that locker room and he just he just added Something. It was just like this toughness. This just there was something there. I mean, Rasheed was a good player, but he just added something else that just was able to move the needle and get them over the top, and they end up winning the title that year.
0: But in football, it's e- even more imperative because the quarterback position is so important. Right. So if that if that person and listen, you collar, you're basically telling us, and this very well might be completely true, that he lacks the intangibles. And this and this is where the statistical people get lost and think, ah, oh, just shut up. Look what he can do. It doesn't matter that position. I don't think people get in two thousand nine. Favre was almost forty. Okay, he was old. Brett Favre had a great year, but I can tell you right now that a huge part of the success of that Vikings team was built on the fact that Brett Favre off the field was as important or more important than statistically. And his stats were fantastic. But what he brought to that chemistry, to that locker room, to that team, and the amount of empowerment they felt because their quarterback was fantastic and and basically told them, you can do this, was huge.
1: Well, and you're also asking people to follow you every single play, every single down, and believe in you every single play, every single down. And, and nobody is going to be perfect when it comes to this no quarterback is going to be without mistakes bridgewater threw a left-handed interception once
0: oh and look (laughs) at brett look at brett yeah
1: oh of course yeah but you know one thing that i heard from george iloka i had a good conversation with him about ben roethlisberger now ben roethlisberger doesn't strike me as a great guy um in fact he's about the farthest thing from a great guy and he also doesn't always strike me as the best quote-unquote leader but one of the things is he has when it's in the game. What George Iloca said is you could sack him five times. He could throw three picks. And that team believes that he's going to make the next big throw. Because the guy has always been a winner. He's always made those big throws. He's always been willing to take those risks. So when we look at the spectrum of someone's intangibles. I wouldn't say Kirk Cousins doesn't have great intangibles because that's a whole spectrum that includes work ethic where he is absolutely fantastic. It includes commitment. It includes drive for excellence and all those things, which he seems to have. But there's this other part. It's very much like his game on
0: the field. There's this other part that's severely missing, but I'll stop you right there because the intangibles you, you just um, recited the intangibles that he wants you to think He has, and I'm not positive. Like, he's so rehearsed, I can't tell. And and I'm not even ripping him. I don't know. Perhaps he does. No, he does. But but, but there are a lot of things about what he does that are clearly... The brain coach is a perfect example. He's got the brain coach. The whole thing about Brady is, well, if Tom does that, it sounds good. And that doesn't mean he doesn't do it, but you have to then look at what else... Tom does, and Tom does a ton of things, and and this is not saying that Kirk doesn't want those things, but they are, when you are going through things that are clearly rehearsed, it becomes very difficult then to tell what's really you, and what do you want people to think is you, and I just don't know. The work ethic stuff, there's no question about it from my mind.
1: Now, I do think that he probably clutters himself a bit with all that extra stuff of just like trying to constantly search for these answers about how to be a leader. I mean, a lot of the people who are the great leaders teach other people how to do it rather than having to be taught how to do it. Um, You know, he sat down with P.J. Fleck to talk leadership. And I think that that's great that he does all this stuff and he researches every single Part of his game and the body stuff and, and everything. I mean, he is extremely diligent in detail. So when we're talking about that, and, and also, I mean, pick his brain about football. The guy will know every defense up and down. He will know all the strategies, what beats man, what beats zone, when you make adjustments, why play action works. Throw a football question at him. It's really, it's really special, his knowledge of the game. But it's funny that when you go back to sort of his scouting reports coming out of college and things like that, it's always been with him very good on a lot of things and then very short on other things. It's not like it's average leadership. It's well below average in terms of relating to other players. And it's not that he just... Only sometimes makes plays off script. It's that he never makes plays off script. So it's his game on the field. Some of those shortcomings are what I think causes him to win eight or nine games every year, Mm -hmm. is because these shortcomings are so short that the other side of it can't make up for it.
0: Purple Daily is the show we are in the TCL broadcast studios. Let's go to uh, Cyrus in West Fargo, North Dakota. Hello, Cyrus. Thanks for holding on.
2: Hey, John. Hey, Matthew. Uh I got,
0: I'm all here at shoveling snow and stuff. It's we got a blizzard going on up here, but I had taken a couple of weeks off of listening to you guys just because it's, uh, I'm just I'm burnt out with football and Super Bowls and all that stuff. But I feel like I, it's a soap opera. Like you watch days of our lives, like once every three years, and I turn it back on. It's the same stuff. You guys are still ripping out Kirk Cousins. He's a quarterback so I, of the NFL kid. team. Yeah, he's he's well, the most important player that, on the team. I mean it, it seems like it's you got it's, it shouldn't be called football
2: Daily. It should be called Rip on Kirk Cousins Daily. <laughs> oh thanks, Iris. Well, he really, does not really talked about cousins in no. a few days.
1: Yeah, really ha- he must be listening to that same promo.
0: Well, so, but I that's said the, we need
2: to change it. That's the problem. <laughs> no, no, the problem was he said words,
0: I took some days off. So yeah, you can't miss shows. Yeah, you got to listen to yesterday, every show, Cyrus. I, I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, on the show that that Rami and I did yesterday, we did not mention Kirk Cousins so once. The, uh, and I was very positive been talking on that about show. what Anthony
2: Barr is going to do. I've also agency I've also spent
1: that. the last couple of weeks talking about how they can make Kirk Cousins better. I mean, so yeah, I guess that does, in a way, talk about Kirk Cousins. But you know, what like. I think that anybody who's reasonable thinks that yes, the quarterback will be talked about. It's like if people turn on ESPN and go, "Huh, LeBron James again?" Like yes, yeah. yes. Why, the most is, why aren't they talking about the Warriors' twelfth player? Yeah, you know what? Um, why isn't Steve Kerr playing the tenth guy in Golden State? You want to hear some uh, Matt Weil analysis? He's the punter. I can do that for you. No, I am. Is he look, not going to hold the ball as long me. in
0: 2019 before punting? So so we we all have a bleeping heart attack when he's about to punt. It's February 7th. Yes. Then there's March, that's 1 month.
1: How many till we get to September, till there's another game? It'll be about September 7th, somewhere in there, September
0: 9th? Yes. What's that like 8? Yeah. Well, but but the great thing about this league is next month we've got the new league year starting, free agency starts, then you got the draft. So that's the genius oh, of, this of league. Come. There's lots of fun. There's to come. lots to talk about. I, but how I don't understand, I guess I'm a little bit confused by how how are you not going to talk about the quarterback who by the way is very well paid on, on a team that just underperformed and you're talking about how he can possibly improve. But
1: you know, I I understand I understand uh where some people are coming from because it frustrates them that Kirk Cousins did not perform to the level they wanted him to. They wanted to believe in him. They wanted him to be the guy that took them to the next level from Case Keenum. They were all on board when he signed. And then it was a gut punch to see him go 8-7-1. and one. Sure. And when we talk about it, it feels like you're rubbing it in their face. And the other thing, too, is I didn't hear Cyrus tell me anything that was untrue. That's the thing.
0: Like well, I, he took he, he took two weeks off from the station, came back and was very disappointed that we we hadn't turned the page. And by the way, yesterday I gave a fifteen minute soliloquy on how good I thought the two thousand nineteen Vikings can be. Oh, and I agree with you. I think that they so we missed be a playoff team. But I just think it's interesting that there's
1: no there's no specific point that he wants to discuss. It's yeah. really just why are you talking about the quarterback of the most popular team and probably one of the top 10 NFL markets in the country. Well, I think that's your answer. But you know what the other reason is, too? If the quarterback wasn't interesting, I wouldn't talk about him. But he's super interesting because he's just good enough to get you close, but he's not good enough to get you over the hump. Will that ever actually happen? And all these things are interesting factors to weigh in of like, can you overcome the fact that he's not going to learn how to relate to other people in that locker room? I will, can you can you overcome that he can't make plays off script? Is there a way to do that? That is the off-season conversation A1 for the Minnesota Vikings.
0: I will never grow bored of talking about how how potential star athletes are wired and what that means. It's one of the most intriguing things because it's not talked about a lot and at times it's incredibly important. Like, we, we treat these guys now as if they're statistical outputters, right? Hey, you just put out these stats. But the guys who are under the pressure that they are, how they're wired and how they process that, to me, is among the most interesting thing in sports. Yeah, definitely. All right, I'll take a break. Purple Daily back after this. Board stock that leans north. Score north. Minnesota sports.
1: Anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. Score north.com.
0: All right, Purple Daily, all new score north, score com. We are in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill uh, producing. And uh, we're talking about, of course, the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Actually, let's uh, let's go back to the phone lines and go to Barry. Hi, Barry. Thanks for holding. Hey, I
1: I, I just can't believe how much we talk about Teddy Bridgewater still. I mean, I I understand you know, Matthew's doing these interviews, but... I just really hope Teddy does get a chance to play again, so we can find out if Matthews right that uh, how good Teddy is. But, you know, three years he hasn't played meaningful football in three years, and I that throwing motion never worked for me. But you know better than I do, and I guess uh, the proof will be in the pudding. But I hope you get a chance to find out whether you're right. Oh, I, I don't. Thanks, I don't know that that's that's the right way to look at it. It's not the same player. I mean, if he comes back and plays really well, then. That won't surprise me because of the number of things that he's overcome in his life just to be where he is, including this injury. But my expectation for Teddy Bridgewater is not that he'll ever be the same quarterback he was about to be. That There's an easy case to put together. It doesn't take me very long to show you. He was a really good quarterback in 2015. Fantasy statistics aren't real football. They handed it off to Adrian Peterson in the red zone all the time, so he didn't rack up high touchdown totals. If they had thrown it in the red zone instead of handing off to AP, he would have had 25 touchdowns, and you guys would never throw that in anybody's face again. They had an offense that did not put up huge yardage totals, but was 7th best in scoring percentage, and he was one of the elite quarterbacks in all the situations, in the third down and longs, in the clutch situations, under four minutes to go when you're trailing by one score, all those things. When big throws were required, he made them, and he was only getting better. But to say that it oh, if he goes and starts for Washington and doesn't do well, then it's completely wrong. Well, look,
0: that's the, what you're going to get no no
1: here and here's what I would ask too, with people who always come with this bridgewater thing mm-hmm. is like do you th- who do you think is better at evaluating quarterbacks? Me or Mike Zimmer, just a, probably mike Zimmer
0: yeah i'd give, i'd go
1: I'd go zim by above a thousand you. right No nah, just a little bit,
0: yeah, no, he's better at evaluating I'm not everything. sure about his evaluation but, of quarterbacks but he yeah, has to right. evaluate quarterbacks yeah. to stop them. Right. Yeah. Oh so yeah. He, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. From a defensive standpoint, he can scheme against them for sure.
1: He never wanted yeah. another quarterback. Like that's not a little statement of I like Teddy well, Bridgewater.
0: Let's not forget too. In 2015, what Teddy did that impressed me was was and what Zim loved about about him was great teammate, great leader, limited mistakes. Right. Let's also not forget in 2015, Teddy was operating within the um, confines of an offense that was not built for him. And and by 2015, how many quarterbacks operated offenses that weren't designed around them? He, d- he did it. That was Adrian's offense. They, yeah. they goofed yeah. that up. Like, it worked. I get it. But they, they went in. That first game against San Francisco was a debacle because of the design of an offense that was completely goofy. So I think Zimmer saw those intangibles and qualities and said there is most definitely something here they at al- that
1: time. They also were winning a lot. And they were relying on their defense, and it wasn't a situation where you put up huge statistics. It was a situation, a lot of times, where you protect the football. You're not taking big shots down the field when you're up by six points in the fourth quarter. That's, like, not how you play winning football. And that's the thing about Bridgewater that Mike Zimmer loved so much, and I've heard this from his face, is Bridgewater's understanding of situations knowing when to take the risk, when not to take the risk. He didn't screw up much. No question. And really where it stands out. Every quarterback will tell you this. My pale Sage Rosenfels has said this on our uh, podcast before. Third down is when the big quarterbacks show up. And on third down, Teddy Bridgewater had a 99 quarterback rating in 2015 and also tacked on 134 yards rushing and 12 first downs rushing. And These are the differences I use Bridgewater a lot because he's so different from Kirk Cousins. It's not just the obsession over it's, I could use Deshaun Watson to make the same point, but people don't watch Deshaun Watson. They see a game or two of his. Right. So instead of using Deshaun Watson, I'm going to tell you Bridgewater because you know Teddy Bridgewater. This is where it is. it shows up, is in some of these bigger situations where Kirk Cousins' numbers sink on third down, Bridgewater's would go up, keeps drives going, you produce points. That's what I'm talking about. But as far as will I be right or not... It, I don't know. Is his knee It doesn't 100- matter anymore. Is his knee
0: 100%? It never probably will be, right? No, no. It probably won't be. All right, we're done, Collar. Raised by Wolves. NBA trades taking place left and right, including Marc Gasol on the move. Where's he going? I'm sure they'll talk about it next. See you later.